Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, so I'm going to see if anybody put anything in. A rabbi, a teacher, a pastor, a mechanic, maybe, president, oh, President Jesus. I, I, um, they, tried to make him, uh, they tried to make him president, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm speculating. We're speculating here. We're having some fun. Um, I, I would say I, I think he might be a doctor. He was always going around and healing people. But I also kind of think he, was, he might be in the entertainment industry, specifically in the movie industry, because Jesus was always telling stories. He would have these gripping stories that would speak to the people of his day and his time. We know them, we call them parables, but he would just tell a story. Now, two things about his stories. Oftentimes they left his, his listeners confused. He would just tell a story and drop the mic and then leave. And have you ever watched a movie where at the end of the movie, you're just like, huh? <laughs> like, um, Inception, Did any, who's watched Inception? Where you're like, what, 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 what was that? I, I don't know, you know, you're going, Interstellar, did anybody watch that sci-fi movie? So it's like, just me and Steven, I guess, are, are talking today. Um, uh, that one was, was weird. Um, there's uh, Frozen 2. What the heck was that? I don't even know what I just watched. Or uh, any, anything related to the Matrix. Uh, um, I, don't, I just like, what? Well, that was a waste of my time. Um, so th- you would have people who would listen to the story and then they just walk away. And I'm sure they're just like, who's this guy? Like, he's supposed to be this great speaker. I don't even know. But the hungry ones, they knew. They, were, they knew there was something deeper beyond just the, the, the surface and so they would go after it and they'd often explain, or he, he, sometimes he would explain it to them. They'd say, what did you mean by that? They knew there was something deeper spiritually that was going on in these, in these stories. They were often, and we'll see today, very controversial. Because he wasn't just wasting his breath. He was telling a story to say, this is how the kingdom works. This is how life works. And often it's backwards to what you and I think it might be. And so like his first sermon, if you read it in Luke chapter 4, I'm not going to read it today, but basically he's like, hey, I came to set the captives free. I came to to let the blind see. And everyone's like, yes, this is amazing. He's, He's an amazing speaker. I love him. And then... Within just a matter of moments, he's, he, he pointed out something. He was not afraid of controversy. He said, you know what? I came for everybody. And he starts talking about how in the Old Testament times, how God came and, and healed through non-Jewish people, Gentiles, who they hated. And if you read, read it, they, they went from, he's an amazing teacher. We never heard anything like him to in that, in Luke chapter four, they tried to kill him. They said they walked him to the edge of a cliff and said, he's got to die. So he was not afraid of tense subjects. Jesus was not afraid to step his toes into the water and wade in a little bit. He taught that there was dignity 
for everyone, and it got them in trouble. Today, I'm going to step in it a little bit today. It's going to get tense today. In about five minutes, it's going to get real tense. And I would just give you a heads up. If the more churched you are, the more religious background you have, the more uncomfortable today is going to be. But as I read this parable, I want to go from uh, this vague, theological, oh, I kind of know this, to practical where we have to deal with it and wrestle with this and go live this thing out when we walk out of here. The parable is the parable of the Good Samaritan, one that if you do have a church background, you know it already, but we're going to read through this and we're going to see how we can apply this today in our lives. If you have your Bibles, it's in Luke 10, Luke chapter 10. We'll have it up on the screen as well, starting in verse 30. I'll read it to us. It says, one day, an expert in the religious law, so someone who goes to church and they're like the leader, they know it all. I stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Hey, that's a great question. How do I get to heaven? That's a, that, hey, we might even answer that one in July. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And I, I love Jesus would often, um, he would tell stories, but he'd often answer people's questions with another question. And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, or all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting from Deuteronomy there. Jesus says, great, that's, that's, that's the one. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. Turn to your neighbor and say, who is my neighbor? Turn to your neighbor and say, who is my neighbor? He asked this question, who is my neighbor? You ever have somebody who is uh, very smart theologically? They seem to know a lot about uh, the Bible or theology or different things like that. And they like, well, let me make this a little bit more practical. Do you know anyone, don't raise hands or point, that could maybe build a rocket ship or design it and send it to Mars, but they don't know how to run a laundry machine or load a dishwasher and press go? Does anybody, anybody in Los Alamos know anyone that might? <laughs> don't point, don't point. When I preach, I like to stay in the shallow end of the pool. I love deep theological things, but it is a pet peeve of mine to, to, to talk about something vague, or let's have a sermon on lust, and we, we can talk about the theology of lust, and we can walk out of here and pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm good, but never really grab that I'm wrestling with pornography and have to deal with that issue and get real practical about what we're dealing with. I stay shallow because I got to make this thing of work and apply in my life. And this guy's like, Jesus, who's, who's my neighbor? You know, it's this broad, vague category. And Jesus says, that's enough. In fact, that's my, the, the title of my sermon today. That's enough. You can put that in the chat. You can write that down in your notes. That's enough. Because 
he's going to get right to the heart of the matter for this dude. Oh, you're going to test me here. Jesus knows. He's like, no, I'm going to make sure I drive home a point here with you on this. This is going to be one of his most controversial parables that he tells. Now, we talk about the Good Samaritan and whatever, and it's not that controversial. But like I said, this this was a hot topic. So he replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him from his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. The tension in the room just built and started to magnify. Going over to him, the Samaritan saw the man. He felt compassion on him. So go, uh, or he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put a man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where, the, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. That was the story. And then Jesus says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who attacked the bandits, Jesus asked. And I love, I love how obvious the answer was. This was not some vague, I don't know, I can't, I can't tell. It was obvious. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yeah, now go and do the same. The Samaritans, just real quick, he, him being the hero of the story, the Samaritan being the hero of the story, this totally disarmed everyone in the room because they were hated. Why? A little bit of background. You had Jews that lived in Samaria, you had Jews that lived in Jerusalem in the area. If you read in the Old Testament, they were kind of separate, running their own governments. The Assyrians came in, wiped out the area of Samaria and the Jews in that area, and they took them into slavery, into bondage. And when Assyria attacked and, and, and took people into slaves, they started to mix the races together. This was how they would kind of conquer a, a nation in a sense, and so they would, they would mix races The Jews in Jerusalem, they got conquered by Babylon, but this mixing didn't happen so much. So when they came back out of slavery into Jewish territory, the the Jews in Jerusalem, in a sense, were still pure blood. But those who were in Samaria were were mixed, mixed blood. They weren't fully Jews. So you had this tension between the two, and they hated and despised one another based on this ethnicity that was happening here. So again, that has nothing to do with us. We don't fight, quite fully understand how that could happen. So if Jesus were telling the story today, he probably wouldn't say the Good Samaritan. He would bring it into a story that would wrestle with us today. He might say, the man was hurt, and then a despised gay man came along. And he saw the man and felt compassion 
on him. Uh, a despised illegal immigrant came along and saw him and felt compassion on this man. A, a liberal socialist Democrat came along and felt compassion for him. Donald J. Trump himself was walking along and felt compassion for him. Okay, I, I, Name that person. Name that group that you wouldn't think be worthy of anything from God. And he's saying, that's the one. I want you to get that image in your head because that's the one that they felt compassion. Who is my neighbor? Some tension in the room. I kind of feel it. It's, it's okay. This past week, I saw in the news, you may have saw it, you may have not, but I'm going to bring it up because I'm not okay with it. Sometime during the week, the White Rock Rock was, was painted for uh, Pride Week. And then um, overnight, I don't know who, someone representing Christianity came and painted it like this. To which, actually, the first, to which then another group of people from Pride Week came and, and painted over that. Actually, the first picture was the second. Doesn't matter. So you have this back and forth. And I'm just going to give a disclaimer. Today, I want to talk on this. I'm, I'm not, this is not a sermon to say to, on sexuality. Is homosexuality right or wrong? If you want to know what, what I believe about that, then let's have a, a conversation and one-on-one, and, and I'll be more than glad to, to have a conversation with you about that. The topic of today's subject is how do we love our neighbor? How do we have relationships with people that don't set us back? I am going to be talking today just because of this angle I am going to be kind of talking from a context of those in the room that believe that homosexuality is a sin. But I will say, at Freedom Church, we have people who believe it's not a sin. We have people who believe it is a sin. And I'm just going to say both are allowed. And I know that might, that might cause some tension in here to say, no, you've got to take a stand. You've got to say this or you've got to say that. And again, that's not the point of this message. In fact, that's not the central message of Christianity. I'm going to go back to the songs that we sang. It is that we, are, we need a Savior. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead. And that is our message and our mission. We had the first fight ever at Freedom Church. The first conflict came around this issue of homosexuality. I got, a, I got a text in the morning. There was a, a connect group that met that night. And uh, the leader texted me, and then uh, somebody from within the group texted me. They're like, oh, Pastor Mike, I need to talk. And I'm like, what happened? And there were people on both sides of the issue. And I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with both of them. And I, and I said, both, both are allowed here. Why? 
because sexuality is not the central message of Christianity. Can, can we agree that your stance on this does not mean whether or not you go to heaven or not? Like our salvation, last time I checked, is based on a faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it, period. So everything else is secondary. And anything that's secondary, I'm going to give charity to. So I have my views, don't get me wrong. But I'm going to allow, we allow atheists in here. Did you know that? People who do not believe in God, they like to come to Freedom Church. They're allowed. Everybody's welcome. Okay, but Christians, <laughs> we have a knack for creating these dividing lines that, that rather than bring us together, will separate. And the tension in this, the tension in this, okay, as far as loving your neighbor is, for those who believe that homosexuality is wrong, you still have to love your neighbor. And for those who would look at this and, and get angry at, at, at Christianity or the, the bigot or whoever that, whatever, I still have to love the bigot. That's the tension in Christianity. I don't get to, to dismiss a single person whether I agree with them or not. So you could fill in the Good Samaritan with a racist bigot came walking by and had compassion. Jesus is going to say, we got to love everybody. Who's my neighbor? There was no exclusions in this. But we'll create these dividing lines. In the 50s, it was divorce. Now, I wasn't around in the 50s, but when you talk to people, you couldn't say that word. If someone came in, and you had to hide it. 70s, it was abortion. Today, is sexuality. And there's a still, they're important topics. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm just saying it's not the central message of Christianity. But I remember growing up, I couldn't watch Bart Simpson. Okay, that was, that was going to just, you know, just totally throw me off and destroy me. Then it was Harry Potter. Can't watch Harry Potter. I saw this week Cruella. You can't watch Cruella, I guess. You know, and Christians would get so mad at cancel culture, but we invented the thing. And there's an infinite amount. And, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, Satan's at work in that. You know, he is at work. He's at work in distracting us from what we're supposed to be focused on. And today I'm talking about homosexuality. I, 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 uh, I preached this message last year twice. I preached it on racism. I preached it um, in October in the heat of politics. There's always going to be something that divides us. You know next month the Olympics are coming up and they're going to try to get you all bent out of shape over somebody who kneeled during the anthem. Border walls, immigration, racism. And we'll go around and say, I've got to stand for truth. I gotta stand for what's right. We get our boxing gloves on and we're all <laughs> and we gotta we gotta we gotta have truth, Mike. Yes, I get we gotta have truth, but our God is not that small. 
I got to fight. You know, you know what's going to get them? You know what's going to change the tide and, and make sure that, you know, it's going to, I'll paint a rock. That'll teach them. Can I suggest that there's a better way than painting a rock? Or posting or commenting. It's like picking up a stone. I, I've got too much in my own life to pick up stones and start throwing them. There's a better way. I want to talk about that today. I realize there's, there's tension here, but I, I want to. How do, how, do I, how do I love my neighbor? First thing I would say is you start listening. If I want to love my neighbor, I need to listen. Everyone is a storyteller. I'm a student. How do, how do I listen? I, this is the posture I want you to take when you're thinking about how do, I, how do I listen to my neighbor, the one who I just do not agree with. It would be like a man who's along the side of the road who's just been beaten, left for dead. Now that guy was half naked. I was stripped and naked. I'm not taking my clothes off. But he's down. And he's looking for help. Because he's hurting. And you see somebody who walks by. And they don't lean out a hand. And you see somebody else that walks by. It looks like they're seeing the situation, but they don't. They just walk by too. They wonder, you wonder if they even see that I'm human. As a pastor, I work with cutters. As a, as a youth pastor, I worked with teenagers, and they were cutters. Some of them were cutters. Ah, well, they're just, they're just doing that to get attention. I wonder if they even see me. Growing up, I'd see a, sometimes have a, see a homeless person asking for food. And I kind of always grew up with the mindset of like, well, they're just, don't give them any money because they're just going to go spend it on alcohol and drugs. And I wonder if they even see if I'm human. If I'm here and I'm hurting. If you've heard the stats about people in the LGBT community, they're saying, I'm hurting. I'm suicidal. I don't even know if I can want to live anymore. Do you see me? 
are black brothers and sisters. When you sit down to hear their stories, they've been hurt by racism. I wonder if they see me. Does anybody see me? Let me get this personal. You're your outcast brother or sister in your family. I'm dying for somebody to reach out to me. And I wonder if they see me. Your spouse is exhausted. I can't even move. And I wonder if anybody sees me. Oh, well, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't have done that, then you wouldn't feel the way. I wonder if they see me. I don't. Your son, your daughter, they're hurting. Mom, dad, I'm your blood. Do you even see me? And a despised Samaritan looks and he sees them. And rather than pointing a finger, he opens his hand. Who's your neighbor? Do you see him? Listen to them and hear their stories. Jesus would look at them and he would say, I, I see you. His friends were tax collectors, prostitutes. People he disagreed with. And he says, I love you. Christianity, based on Jesus, says everyone is made in the image of God. And God loves everyone. And that's enough. Period. That's enough. What more do you need? The criminal on the cross. He's in his final moments. Final breath. Deserved to die like he was one of the worst of the worst of society. He said, Jesus, will you remember me? Like he didn't even have time to pray a prayer or get baptized or there was no nothing. The clock was running out for him. Jesus says, that's enough. That's enough. You're made in my image. I love you. There is dignity for everyone. How do I love my neighbors? Start with listening to them. Empathy. It's going to be your best friend. 
this is messy. This is tense. This is not fun. This is hard because I have to work on how do I love someone and how do I have grace with them? How do I share truth with them? But you're going to start with empathy and not pointing fingers or throwing rocks. The goal, you can write this down. We can leave this one up for a little bit, Becky. I would write this down because this might help you. The goal is not to take away your convictions or your stance on anything. Okay, I'm not trying to, to have you compromise your convictions on either side. Whatever the hot topic may be, there will be one next month. There will be one next year. It just everything is pit against us to be divided. But to ask you, this is the goal, to ask you to evaluate your actions through respect and love. Jesus taught that everyone, everyone is worthy of a touch. Everyone's worthy of a touch from God. This Samaritan, he loved those who hated him. The, the Samaritan risked his own life. The Samaritan spent money on this man, vouched for him, was never publicly, publicly rewarded. And again, Jesus said, which one do you think was the neighbor? It was obvious. There was no logical or theological reason for the Samaritan to help this out, but mercy needs no reason. So here's another goal for you. What if you could disagree with your neighbor? I mean, just flat out disagree with your neighbor. But you were the first person on their list to call when they were hurting. To disagree politically, but no change relationally. To disagree morally, ethically, but no change relationally. To disagree theologically even, but no change relationally. I have great friends who are atheists. I do not agree with them theologically. But they are still my friends, and I still love them. And I would still sacrifice for them. This is the message of Jesus. Paul wrote this, accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given glory. You want to give God glory today? Live this out. Paul was a murderer. Paul, who wrote this, was a murderer. The church radically accepted him. We talked about radical grace last week, radical acceptance. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason, but they accepted him in. Again, I, I say, I have, to, I have to accept the bigot, the racist. I don't want to, but I have to. With, if I'm following Jesus. The other thing I want to do, number two, is I, I might need to repent. Repent to God and repent to the people who I've hurt. And when it comes to this issue of, of the rock, I've, I've thought about this a lot because I didn't paint the rock. As far as I know, no one in Freedom Church painted the rock. I'm trying to set the culture and the tone for how we as a church, Freedom Church, are going to advance. But somebody on behalf of the church worldwide said, this is what the view of Christianity is. And I want to say, I'm sorry. And even if... I try to give people the benefit of doubt on motivation and intention. So let's say that their intention 
for painting that was, was truth and love. And so somehow they're like, this is going to be a loving thing to do. Uh, you don't, the, when you do communication, like communication 101, the power is in the receiver. And I, I guarantee you 100% that that was not love that was communicated. The exact opposite. Daniel chapter 9. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to read it, but just Daniel, he was like the perfect figure in, in, in Scripture besides Jesus. He was always doing the right thing, Daniel and the lion's den, that sort of stuff. But he, he, there's a powerful prayer that he prays, and he says, Father, forgive us for all of these things that we have done, and we have, we have lost sight of you. We've lost sight of the mission. We've lost sight of it. And I'm like, Daniel, why we? Because, Daniel, you didn't do anything. Daniel, what, what you're talking about, this sin that took place, was the generation before you. Like, those people aren't even alive. You're, you should be saying, they. Oh, they forgot you, Jesus. They, they forgot you, God. They got No, he's saying, we. Do we have the audacity to say, this is my issue, too? I didn't do it. I'm angry and upset about it, but I didn't do it. But I'm sorry. I, know, I'm a, I need to repent. And if I have a, a, a friend who was offended and hurt by this on behalf of Christianity, that's not okay. It goes beyond this issue of sexuality. There's other things in our lives that, hey, I have not seen you as my neighbor. And I need to repent and say, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I didn't listen. I'm, you know, I'm lamenting over these things, but then I got to work on myself. I got to get better. I have, in this past year, I've really taken this to task for me, and I think a lot of you have too, but I've done a whole lot more listening in this season. And listening specifically to people who I disagree with on, on a whole variety of issues. Because I realize I don't understand. And I want to get better. So would you tell me your story? And I'm just going to listen. And then I work to get better. And I find out the more I listen, the less talking I do, the better, the better I get. But I can, there's, these messages are going to be best served to those who are not finished with themselves. All right? Those who have room to grow, if you've got it all figured out and you don't have room to grow, you're going to hate this message. You're going to hate almost any message that I give because you've got it figured out. I'm looking for those who are hungry or to say, I'm open. I'm open for more. What do you got, God? Show me. Even the people who I disagree with. And the implications of living this, listening, repenting, working and getting better at myself, not pointing fingers at them, but working on me. I need to grow. The implications are huge. Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, I pray that they will all be one. He's talking about us. Just as you and I are one. So that, say this with me, so that the world will believe you sent me. In our world, the scoreboard tells who, who wins based on who got the most votes in our world. You win if you have success in business or in finances, or in career. You, the, the scoreboard in our world says you win based on how many followers or likes or views. 
the churches, the church's mission, which Jesus gave us. We win or lose based on how we treat one another. The implications could not be more huge when it comes to unity. We don't have to dress the same and all believe the same, but how we treat one another, he said, oh, so that the world will know. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to go into that area, into some area. Jesus, as he departed, I mean, there was more people to heal. There was more people to reach. And Jesus said, you know what? It's going to be better. I can't reach them all. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave. I'm I'm going to live inside of you and you, the church. You're going to go do this. You're going to spread out. You're going to be the ones that go reach the masses. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea. Okay, home court. We're good. We're good there. We're good there, Jesus. In Samaria. In. In Samaria. You've got to go to some area that is going to be uncomfortable unfamiliar, uncertain. When they lived this out in Acts, oh man, they're like, the, the, the Jews were not happy about this. You see this in their theology throughout, even in Galatians, where the Jews and Gentiles, Peter, who was the leader in the church, he started showing favoritism to the Jews and Paul called him out and said, no, uh-uh, you can't just hang out with the Jews and reject the Gentiles. Peter, got deceived by this. I'm not so prideful to think that I can't fall for it too. And Paul said, that's not our Jesus. That's not our God. That's not the gospel. It's for everybody. You got to go to some area in it and love them there and to all the world. Why? Because God loves them. And everyone is made in the image of God. And that, that's enough. That's all I need. You do this, a church that does, does this, you'll change the world. His disciples were following him near the end of Jesus' life. And they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to have the best position in heaven? We're all following Jesus. We're, we're best buds with him. We're really close to them. Who's going to be the best? And they're squabbling over this. Because they got a a fleshly, worldly mindset on on this kingdom thing. And Jesus is flipping the tables. And Jesus calls a timeout. Huddle, boys. Huddle up. Huddle up. Huddle up. He says, you know the rulers of this world. You know how the world works? You know how they they pit us against one another, trying to divide us? I mean, that's the way our, our political system and our culture wants us to fight in war over these things. And Christians, we get distracted and we fall prey to that and we're fighting over these things, creating these dividing lines. He says, you know the rulers of this world, how they do it. They flaunt their authority over those under them. Say this with me, but among you it will be different. Oh, it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture because he says, it will be different here. We're not going to act like that. And I don't care what the dividing issue is. He says, hey, whoever wants to be a leader, you must be the servant. 
Whoever wants to be first must become the slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. In a church that operates under this in loving their neighbor, you change the world. And it's a fight every single day. Not against one another, but fighting for one another. Not against one another, I'm fighting for one another, no matter how much I disagree with them. I don't know where you're at with this today, because I realize this is very personal to each and every one of us. We are hitting this. I can see you guys are, are in, and I know online, like this is, this is real, this is personal, and that's why Jesus told the story, because he says, now I told the story, go and do likewise. Love your neighbor this week and make it obvious. Make it obvious. Let's stand and let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.